It is the final season preview for the earlier read. We talk college football playoff and Heisman odds with Rob Bowerin from sharpcollegefootball.com. Rob was awesome. We talked a bunch of different permutations for the college football playoff and national championship race, as well as some of our favorite Heisman looks heading into the season. Bunch of great conversation there. Appreciate you all listening during the season previews. If you missed any of them, make sure you go back and check out all prior 10 conference previews leading up to week zero and beyond. It's the early read college football season preview. The early read is sponsored by Profit Exchange. Want to increase your betting bottom line by an easy 20%? Tired of paying the big to sportsbooks? Want the ability to request your own odds? I'm teaming up with my friends at Profit Exchange this college football season. Get the best odds in the world on all the CFB games every week by betting at your peers. Join the thousands of users who have traded over $100 million to date and start winning more and losing less on every single bet. Sign up for Profit Exchange today and get a no-sweat first bet up to $100 when you sign up with the code EARLYREAD, E-A-R-L-Y-R-E-E-D. Available in the Apple and Google Play Store. Must be 21 and present in New Jersey. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Early Read, our final preview episode. We've hit all the other conferences. It's time to talk big picture now. We're going to try and decipher who's going to win the national championship, who's going to win the Heisman, who's going to make the playoff, and everything in between. And to do that, we bring on Rob Bowerin at Beta Rank FB. That's Beta underscore Rank underscore FB. Generates power ratings and a bunch of advanced metrics for sharpcollegefootball.com. Really smart in the space. Really pumped to have him on to talk some big picture college football. Rob, how's it going, man? It's going great. I'm I'm excited for college football to actually get here. It's been a heck of an off season. So <laughs> can't I know you you've been really firing them off on uh, the realignment picture. And thankfully, we're not gonna uh, <laughs> talk about realignment and what's going on in the big picture college football. We're gonna stick just to this season. We're gonna talk about the teams that are gonna play this year. I know you're a Pac-12 guy. By trade. So, you know, really interesting year for the Pac 12 coming up. A lot of teams in the mix. Before we talk, I guess, Heisman National Championship, Pac 12, before we even get into it, are they going to make the college football playoff this year? Is any team going to make it? That's really difficult to say. And I, and I, <laughs> I, no, no, I think the reason that you would shade the Pac 12 for making the, the college football playoff is that the major contenders all have each other on their schedule you know, this season, right? I mean, last year, USC didn't play Washington. Um, they didn't play Oregon. Um, last year, Washington didn't play Utah. Um, they all play each other this season, right? So there are no misses. Um, and I, that I think is going to be, I don't know that anybody's going to be quite good enough to get through that schedule, their schedule with only one loss. Um, and so it's, I mean, look, maybe you end up with a two loss conference champion in there. Um, you know, but I, I do think that if you were to look across, you know, certainly at the ACC, you like their chances a little bit better for getting one of those playoff spots than the PAC 12, because it's, it's Clemson and FSU and then a pretty big gap, <laughs> you know, yeah. between them and the rest of the teams that's going to allow them to pile up some wins and, you know, like whomever wins their matchup, you know, maybe has the inside track. Um, 
And I, and I, I yeah, and, and you could see like, again, like another situation where like the Big Ten sneaks two in or the SEC where, you know, might be able to sneak two in um, instead. I, it's, it is hard to see. Um, I mean, and you could tell, I mean, maybe Texas. I mean, <laughs> well, we're going to, we're going to talk about who's getting in. I, I, by the end of this, we're, we're getting some predictions. We, we All right. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to pick four. Points. All right. Yeah. So we'll get back to the college football playoff picture. I want to start Heisman though, because I do think they're not directly correlated, the Heisman trophy picture and the college football playoff picture, but they tend to run at a similar course and they, Maybe one's decided, maybe the Heisman Trophy's decided a little bit earlier, but typically the teams in the mix for the college wall playoff are the ones that are also, they have their quarterback in the mix for the Heisman Trophy. And so we'll start there and it starts with the Pac 12 because Caleb Williams enters as your favorite. I ripped these from one sports book, but make sure to shop around for these because you could find them all over the place. But the order's pretty similar wherever you look, but Caleb Williams is the favorite around plus 500, followed by Jaden Daniels. He's 10 to 1. Jordan Travis and Quinn Ewers are 12 to 1. Uh, Kate Klubnick's 14 to 1. Michael Penix is 16 to 1. Uh, JJ McCarthy, Bo Nix, Drake May, Sam Hartman are 18 to 1. And then you go down a little bit further. You got Carson Beck at 20 to 1. Drew Aller, 25. Joe Milton, 25. Kyle McCord, 28. And you start to find some real, you start to get a little bit out there. Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, 30 to 1. Connor Wegman, Dylan Gabriel, 40 to 1. Jalen Milrow, 50 to 1. I, I don't think there's anyone else really worth mentioning, but KJ Jefferson and Brock Bowers, I wrote down, are each 60 to one. So Devin, De- Devin Leary is an interesting name down, way down oh, there to take a okay. little bit of a, and let me tell you why. So Devin Leary, I think, is a really wow, decent. coming out fire. <laughs> <laughs> Leary's a decent quarterback prospect, um, and I wouldn't bet a lot on this. Just take a little flyer and see what you can get. But uh, Liam Cohen comes back. He was the offensive coordinator two seasons ago, which got Will Levis on the NFL's radar. Um, then they brought in like, and then Cohen got the job as the offensive coordinator of the Rams. That did not work out. But now he's back in college football and back in Lexington. He was phenomenal as an OC when he was in Lexington for his one year. They should really take a step forward offensively. Um, their defense was a little bit better last year, and they returned a decent amount on defense. I I like Kentucky to be sort of surprisingly good. Um, I, now I wouldn't say like I mean I, like again like it's not, like I mean he's going to be in a conference where I mean like you can pretty much like write in pencil whoever the Tennessee quarterback is that offense is going to put up numbers, right? Um, but he's the name, like, if you were going to look way down for, like, where I think there's some value, I think Leary is probably a little undervalued because I'm not sure people know what to do with Cohen coming back. I agree with you, especially on the Kentucky part. I just, the first, I pulled up FanDuel. Uh, I see Devin Leary 100 to 1. Again, I don't think Devin Leary is going to win, but I agree with you. I, I think, like, De- Devin Leary and KJ Jefferson, for example, they're both not going to win the Heisman, but one shouldn't be 50 to one and one shouldn't be a hundred to one. I, I right. think Kentucky again, playing in Georgia's conf, Georgia's division makes it so difficult to really trust them. But I do agree with you though, about Kentucky offensive leap on the way with the offensive yeah. line resurrected, getting Cohen uh, back. And I think Devin Leary to me, I mean, I was really high on NC state last year, fell yeah. short of expectations, right? But that didn't help with Leary's shoulder injury either. I like him coming back. I think Leary, I agree with you probably a mid day three probably quarterback prospect but he's yeah. a good college player and i like kentucky as a whole 
I, I yeah. love they didn't even didn't even get to the Caleb Williams part and we're already fired. I mean, Caleb, Will- I mean, Caleb Williams should be your prohibitive favorite, not yes. only because he's team back with Lincoln Riley. Cliff Kingsbury is the quarterback coach. That is a that is a stupid amount of offensive like know-how on one mm-hmm. staff. I mean, I, it feels like cheating. Plus, I mean, look, the USC wide receiver room doesn't have a lot of guys returning that are um that have a big resume behind them i mean maybe dorian singer is probably the guy that you would say most the guy they get that they got from arizona um but i would say the the one of the things to sort of keep an eye on i mean like you've got jerry rice's kid there who's apparently lightning fast didn't break out last season of course like addison got a ton of you know the pub last year but they're really doing well and i i think their offensive line is going to improve a little bit they were pretty bad but i like the offensive line coach hire that they made a couple years ago uh there when they came over they got a&m's o-line coach um but they're going to be a lot. I mean, we'll see where the defense is. There's going to be a lot of shootouts. It's not, it's USC is going to have to earn their way to double digit wins this season. Uh, it's, it's not as easy as a path as they had last year. Um, I com- I completely agree with you. I, my one rub with Caleb Williams, again, I agree. He should be the favorite, but if we're talking, is he likely going to win the Heisman? That's tough. I push, I push back on that. There's been one back-to-back Heisman winner, Archie Griffin in 1974 yep. and 1975. So Caleb Williams going up against historical precedent. And I just struggled to see. And again, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about the same teams and how it's gonna go. So I get I assume people are gonna start to see the vibe with where we stand with some of these teams. But I struggle to see USC with the back half of their schedule, especially really picking up steam and kind of surviving their schedule. But just look at last season for Caleb Williams and what he did. Because if he wants to win the Heisman Trophy, he's probably going to have to do better than that because with the way college football and the talent that is in the sport right now, someone's going to put up a strong, formidable resume that's going to travel to Caleb Williams. And I think that there's voter fatigue in this sport. It it just, it doesn't exist in every sport. It does exist here. But again, last season for Caleb Williams, over 4,500 passing yards, 52 combined touchdowns and five interceptions with 11 regular season wins. Yeah. That's a that's a tough bar to get over for a guy plus five hundred to win the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to have to. I mean, he would have to again have like you're right. He's going to have to have a massive year. He's not going to be able to go out and just have another pretty good year, right? And and uh, and win the Heisman. Um, And it will be. I think it will be more difficult for him. I mean, look, the Pac-12 had a hideous set of defenses last season. So USC's offense, like even in advanced stats, like they were the number four offense overall. There was a pretty big gap between them and Georgia and Tennessee offensively. Um, It's going to be harder to put up the the gaudy counting stats that everybody loves. You know, like the yards, the touch. I mean, like that kind of stuff. It's going to be harder to do that in the Pac-12 this season um, because the defenses were so bad they simply have to improve. (laughs) You know, you think you right. I mean, like you like you you are Power Five teams. You have enough talent. You know, and you know have enough money to hire decent coaching staffs that they should be better. Um, Then I'm not massively keen on Jaden Daniels in there. I think that that offense that Kelly runs, um, I think he's going to put up some decent numbers. I just think it's going to be hard. I think it's going to be hard for him to put up really, really gaudy stats. I did think he improved considerably last season from like what he was at ASU. Um, But I do, I'm not, I don't, I'm not massively sold on him there. The, and I, I don't know. I don't know about, I mean, look, I think Sarkeesian's probably the best offensive mind going in college football right now, but Ewers held them back last year. 
I'm, I'm, like, I'm glad you said it. Oh yeah, Ewers held them back from you. I mean, they were the defense was actually really good for them last year. They took a huge step forward um, under the defensive coordinator, um, whose name now eludes me. But then he had Gary Patterson coming in and helping out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I like. I mean. And and they had he had Bijan Robinson like bailing him out. Now the offense, you know, the 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 receivers should be better. They get Naylor back, who was the transfer from Wyoming that they were really high on that got injured in fall camp last year. I think that I just I it's really hard for me to put a ton of faith in yours. He was so bad down the stretch. Um and cost them games. <laughs> you know. Uh- the one where Texas really concerns me, and again, we're gonna circle around to this, but Ewers downfield passing, huge concern. And to yeah. me, was really where it held him back. Texas was outside the top 100 explosive pass rate. And you look at, I know, first of all, they got A.D. Mitchell this year from Georgia. He's a stud. But look at the weapons, who, what what they had last year with Xavier Worthy and Whittington. And still, outside, absolutely unacceptably outside the top 100 yeah. in explosive pass rate. I understand he was injured, and that's also, there's some Hudson card in that number. But that still kind of shows you, even if you want to give Ewers the benefit of the doubt, that's still bottom third in the entire country, that's not going to fly if you want to be a, a national championship contender, if you want to put up the stats to rival a Caleb Williams S season last year, because someone's going to put up a big statistical resume. Yeah. And if it's, listen, Texas has the weapons to, to have a quarterback that could put up those numbers, but you're going to have to be able to hit downfield threats to yeah. make that work. I will say the one good thing about Quinn Ewers and where I'm, I'm going to take a step back after yours, but Quinn Ewers, they do play Alabama in week two. Alabama, maybe not as good as the other Alabama teams have been in the past, still an undecided quarterback situation. I mean, their you know, lowest odds quarterback considering they haven't decided is Jalen Milrow. We just said he's 50 to one. So that shows you where yeah. the state of Alabama is right now. There's, little, there's not a lot of faith in Tommy Reese, and I don't exactly. blame people. <laughs> like, so if Texas goes in and beats Alabama as a seven and a half point underdog, one would think that means Quinn Ewers played at least very well. Yeah. So to follow the narrative, Quinn Ewers price, he will likely, I think become, if not the favorite, he will join Caleb Williams at the top of the odds board based on the net. Maybe it's not, it's all helium. It's not correct. But at that moment, like if you believe in Texas and you don't believe in Alabama, I would actually believe I would say, okay, you could bet on Quinn Ewers right now because that number is going to gain as the season progresses. That's at least how I see it with Texas season. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, I, I, I think Alabama's offense is going to take a little bit. I mean, and look, they took a little bit of a step back with uh, the last OC, you know, Bill mm-hmm. O'Brien from Sarkeesian um, and Tommy Reese. I mean, they whiffed on going and getting the offensive coordinator from Washington and ended up with Tommy Reese. I think that gives me some pause with Alabama, but I like the Kevin Steele hire. I mean, like it's the kind of hire like Nick Saban can make because like Kevin Steele, of course, like famously tried to stab his boss in the back at Auburn and then was like a consultant in Tennessee and like tried to like finagle his way into the open Tennessee job too. Um, And when you're Nick Saban, like nobody's like, nobody's going to try to pull a palace coup on you. So you're like, yeah, Yeah. I can hire you. So he hired him away from Miami where I thought he did a pretty good job last season. He was really good. And Saban's very familiar with him. He was really good as the DC at Auburn for a long time. Um, that could, I mean, Texas could win and yours could still have a bad game. 
um, okay. in there because I do think, I mean, look, it's Kwiatkowski is the Texas defensive coordinator. Hit me right now. Um, I think that Texas defense can shut down or slow down Alabama considerably, right? Um, Especially and, on the ground. Yeah. Oh, which yeah. That, I think that's going to be Alabama's bread and butter this season, not to cut you off, but I think Alabama, especially my gut says it's going to be Milrow and then it probably yeah. becomes Ty Simpson. That's at least like how I, that's just my gut. I, I know nothing. That's just how I, I see it. And I think that's how they should go. I think it's going to be ground heavy all season. Like you're going to see a yeah. Notre Dame esque play call. It makes sense, Tommy Reese, but they're going to want to keep this on the ground. They're going to want to try and minimize the mistakes with Milrow early on. And I think Texas, that front seven, I think they could hang. So I agree with you yeah. on that part that um, Texas defense could win them that game or at least keep it close. And an interest, I mean, like you get into the, the, the two AC scene. I mean, Jordan Travis, like, look, uh, you know, like, uh, Norvell. I'm going to stop you right there, Rob. Cause I, I wanted to tee you up for this one. So I'm going to stop. Okay. Team you, brought up, you brought up Jalen Daniels before and now Jordan Travis. So those are two. And I guess code three in the Heisman trophy market. And I was looking at, you know, your beta rank and correct me if I'm wrong, but your predicted numbers this season have these two teams in the top five. Yep. in your predicted beta rank. So this is as high level as you're going to get. And again, yeah. we're talking about turning points in the season, and this feels like a, a jumping off point for both quarterbacks and the winning quarterback specifically. Not that the losers toast necessarily, but the winner is obviously going to get a boost in the market. Just you beat the guy behind you or the guy in front right. of you, you're going to you know take a lot of his win equity. So Jalen Daniels, Jordan Travis. I personally don't like either as a Heisman candidate. You're about to bring up Jordan Travis. You mentioned that you're not super high on Jalen Daniels as a Heisman candidate. Yeah. I tend to agree on the Jalen Daniels part. I think LSU might be pretty damn good this year, and your numbers seem to support that. Yeah, I think they'll be good. I think they have more of a ceiling on offense. And I don't know if Jalen Daniels is the reason why, though. You know, I you look at his numbers last season. Well, and 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 Kelly and his OC. Like, there's a, exactly. Are, I mean, was, people are like, oh man, like Brian Kelly can't recruit quarterbacks to Notre Dame. I'm like, to Notre Dame, like, <laughs> right? And then like he he has all of these like five star, like you know, like you know the uh, you know and four star quarterbacks on the roster. And who does he go and get? Jane Daniels, like of yeah. course, right? Like a guy that fits his system that people aren't sure about for his NFL quarterback. <laughs> Yeah. And so Jalen Daniels, 2,800 yards through the air, over a thousand on the ground. So he made up the difference with lack of like gaudy yeah. passing numbers. I mean, this was a bad offensive line last year for LSU. Started two true freshmen though. So I think you're going to see a jump there. Right. Uh, rushed for 10 touchdowns, pretty efficient through the air and got better as the season went on. I don't love him as a Heisman candidate. I just feel like, I think LSU may be a fringe college football playoff contender, I don't know if he's going to have the requisite numbers to really get off the ground. And again, if we're playing this out, let's say they beat Florida state, but you lose to Alabama. You maybe lose to like Ole Miss on the road. I just feel like he might not have the momentum as the season finishes to win. Jordan Travis, on the other hand, better passer, passer over 3,100 yards, 31 touchdowns. Got, I mean, FSU got the crown jewel of the late transfer portal with Keon Coleman, former Michigan yep. state receiver. But again, Florida State is an underdog in two games. LSU on a neutral and at Clemson. If they lose both those games, I don't want to say he's dead, but he's pretty much dead to win the Heisman. I would be I mean he's just he's got to have a huge game, right? Like yeah, even if they like, lose, he's going to have to have a massive game, right? But that means they're out of the college football playoff picture. Yeah. They don't really have those marquee wins. I struggle to see I, listen, 
the path is there for Travis, I would say, but is it something I'm looking to bet at 12 to one, Rob, it seemed like you were about to give your I mean, opinion. What, what I think there's some positive with Travis and I'm, I'm not saying better, but I think that there's some potential upside because I don't think we've seen the best out of Norvell's offense yet. I mean, he's mostly been working with like, you know, bailing wire as he's rebuilt this Florida state program. Um, and I think Florida, I think Norvell's a really good offensive mind. And I think, you know, they return, they return a ton. Oh yeah. Um, and the defense is going to likely take another step forward. And the offense was pretty, I mean, was, was, it was pretty good last season. Um, the offense finished at number five overall last year. Um, and they've got, I mean, and, and like, I think they have, I mean, with what they have returning and I think they have some headroom again. Um, I, I'm not saying, I mean, like, to, the reason that you would maybe think either of the ACC guys is the same reason we talk about with, you know, like the, you know, the, um, why they might make a run of the college football playoff. Like they're going to put up a bunch mm -hmm. of wins, right? Like they're both, you can pretty much almost pencil in unless they do something dumb, like turn the ball over five times a wake or something. Yeah. Like you can practically pencil each of those teams in for double digit wins. Um, now Travis, I think you're, I mean, there is, I think there's some legitimate questions about like how, you know, how much he's going to put up in the offense, right? Like, um, you know, and how good they're going to be. I think your, your point is correct, right? He does also have that LSU game on there that could potentially derail them. Cause I think LSU's defense is going to be really good. I think their offense is going to be good enough. And I mean, look, Georgia went out and hired Mike Bobo. I mean, it's not Monken's offense. I mean, everybody's like, who's going to call the same plays? I'm like, it matters who's calling the plays because they don't always call them in the same order. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, Georgia likely isn't going to have the same ceiling they had the past couple of years under Monken. Tommy Rees is at Alabama. I mean, the sort of ceiling in the SEC just got a little bit lower, um, you know, and so that, I do think that there's, you know, potential there for LSU to like to 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 really catch. I mean, now they did catch Bama last year, but to even catch maybe Georgia, um, you know, okay. this season, the I mean, unless Georgia puts some un, absurd defensive numbers up like they did in 21 like that 21 like last year's team georgia's team was driven by offense the year before it was driven by that ungodly defense mm -hmm. um i think but the the one to really keep an eye on to me is club neck at clemson clemson doesn't have that game against lsu he's got garrett like so look like alabama went out and whiffed at offensive with the offensive coordinator notre dame went out and couldn't get andy ludwig away from utah and promoted a guy that kind of stunk when he was west virginia's offensive coordinator Meanwhile, Dabo sneaks out and gets his man, like gets Garrett Riley from TCU. That should really, I mean, they've had some bad offenses and they weren't terrible last season, but like, they, you know, they could really use a pick me up. Riley should provide that. Um, and I think Klubnik's potentially in for a big year. And this is one of those ones of like, really, there's not that many good D. I mean, this is one of those ones where you're trying to think of like, who's going to win the Heisman? Who's going to put up not just wins, but like, gaudy numbers not that many good defenses in the in the acc right like there's some hires you kind of like i mean i like nc state's defensive coordinator tony gibson rocky long of all people is at syracuse you know like one of the strange rocky they got rocky long out of like the southwest in california to move to syracuse freaking new york um but there's not i don't expect them to be like really good off the bat so like they're going to put up some like I, I expect clemson to put up some really big numbers um and likely get to i mean even if they drop the game to florida state likely get to 11 wins right yeah. like, like with the schedule clemson is the team as the summers progressed and 
I hate that I did my ACC preview so early in the summer that like I wasn't as committed to my take on Clemson, but this is the team I've now kind of, this is like my swing team for how I'm attacking the season. I think Clemson has the ceiling to go back to college football playoff, to run the table in the regular season, to really yeah. get, I'm not saying win the national championship because I don't know if they can beat a Georgia with their lack of weapons on the outside still, but I think yeah. regular season wise, this team is set up to really yeah. run. And I mean, Rob, you really, you took a lot of the points I had, so I'm glad we see eye to eye. I bet Kate Klubnick to win the Heisman because okay. of that yeah. schedule. They're going to be favored in every single game this regular season. So that's a plus. Yeah. Not to mention, though, they also have the marquee matchup. It's not like Georgia's schedule the past last year and this year, they've beaten up on a bunch of nobodies and been favored by 21, 24 yeah. points. Like they're big right. games against, I guess, like they played Tennessee last year and that was a competitive game, but. Georgia lacks kind of those marquee everybody's tuning in to see what happens type games because Georgia's expected to win so much. This year, Clemson, they play Florida State in that massive game. They play Notre Dame at home. They yeah. play UNC with Drake May and all that. Right. They go to Miami. They go to NC State. They play South Carolina in a revenge spot against you know an SEC team. Not that they're that good, but that's, again, last week yeah. of the season could put up some numbers. The higher Garrett Riley is such an impetus for a jump. We see yeah. this all the time where offensive coordinators come in and reignite an offense, reignite a team. I mean, look at Sarkeesian and Alabama coming in. Yep. But look at what Garrett Riley just did with TCU. Yeah. Max Duggan was not supposed to start at right. the beginning of the season. Max Duggan, he had experience. You know, he was as experienced as any backup you could get. But Morris was supposed to start in week one. He gets hurt against Colorado in the first half. Duggan comes in. That team was 15th in total EPA, 10th in yards per play, 8th in yards per pass attempt, and average over three points per drive, and had an undefeated regular season. Again, that's with the week one backup. Right. You're, yeah. now, you're now going to a five-star recruit that was recruited at Clemson and supposed to be the heir apparent uh, – so what was supposed to be Trevor Lawrence's heir apparent that that went a little sideways, but the talents there, there's a lot of returning production. Clemson returns four starters on the offensive line. There's solid receiving depth. I'm not saying it's all American level. It's worse than Florida States, but it's, it's capable with Bo Collins, Williams, Noble Johnson's a stud. They have some tight ends there as well. I think that this schedule sets up for Clemson to run the table in the regular season and club Nick, if not to win the Heisman, surefire finalist in my opinion yeah yeah and, and 16 uh, you know 16 to 1 i think 16 14 you're talking like this number is going to age well yeah i mean the interesting i mean the name that is i mean it's you know tbd who's the ohio state quarterback right mm -hmm. like that i mean like that person's going to put up numbers um we've talked to, i mean i feel like i've talked about for the past couple of seasons that day probably wants to get back to running the football a little bit more like they did in 2019 when they were like one of the best running teams we've ever seen in college football. Um, but like, they've definitely done all right passing the ball the last couple of seasons. Somebody's going to come in and come in. So the get the keys in a very, very quarterback friendly offense yeah. um, with a great wide receiver room, you know, and a very good offensive line and some good, I mean, like, you know, not to mention like Jim Knowles should have that defense improved. Whoever wins that job is likely going to put up monster numbers. Yeah. Um, you know, this year, because really, I mean, again, too, when we talk about that, I mean, like outside of, I mean, Penn State should be fun and good. Like and Penn State's a team to keep an eye on because the defense was really good under Manny Diaz last year. 
you know, it's your stitch's year to prove it that he can do it without Sean Clifford with LR there. Um, Michigan should be fun and interesting. I think Michigan is a team that has a higher floor maybe than Ohio state, but probably has a lower ceiling. Um, and that's like, I mean, like, yeah, I would like just keep an eye on like whoever gets named Ohio state quarterback should have, should have interesting odds potentially I, to, to win the Heisman. It, it's a great point. I agree the most with Michigan highest floor. Yeah. But behind Georgia highest floor, cause you know who their quarterback is. Like, look at the odds where you're talking Georgia, the favorite, which we agree with. Even though there are quarterback questions, we agree Georgia should be the favorite by a decent margin, as indicated in the market. And then it's Ohio State, Alabama, Michigan. Two of those three still don't have a starting quarterback. At least Michigan, we know, has a high-level starting quarterback, and not to mention two future pros at running back along them. I was going to bring up Pac-12, but let's just – I'll segue it into J.J. McCarthy sitting there, middle of the board – I like Michigan this year. Obviously, I think that they are a worthy college football playoff candidate. To me, probably inside track to the Big Ten Championship, which we'll talk to. I have some notes on that when we get to the national championship conversation. To me, though, McCarthy probably lacks the passing upside. Michigan, with the offensive line coming back in tow, I mean, Jim, yeah, Jim Harbaugh talking, he thinks six of them are going to be drafted next year, yeah. which is nuts. They're going to lean on Corum and Edwards, I think, a little too much for McCarthy. Maybe he's a finalist, but I just don't know if he has the ceiling to be a Heisman Trophy winner. And that's not a knock on J.J. McCarthy. I think he's pretty good. But at these numbers, I just – like, again, maybe he's a finalist, but I don't think you're getting the winner with J.J. McCarthy. I think he's a fine college quarterback. I think there's two things. Like, I don't know that he has the the, the upside himself, and I don't think the system is – going to like friendly enough to put up for him to put up big numbers um you know like it's just he's he's gonna struggle i think with as much as i mean as much as they run the football like they're just killing too much clock (laughs) you know i agree with you um so i just i mean i like i like look he's gonna like he'll be interesting he'll be on a team that's gonna put up a bunch of wins that's gonna help his you know cause and i think you know like people will find like he'll make some interesting and exciting plays because he's an incredibly athletic kid but I just, I, it's hard for me to see in a year. I mean, like, I mean, the guy that didn't make it last, I mean, like we still haven't talked about Michael Penix, right? I mean, like that's right. Like there, I mean, there's guys out there that are going to put up, I mean, a lot of these guys, I mean, they're going to put up massive numbers on again, like teams that are likely to win a bunch of games, right? It's hard to see McCarthy. It's hard to see him getting an invite, you know, like with the kind of numbers he's probably going to put up because he's going to be at least a thousand yards and double digit touchdowns behind the leaders. Yeah. So you brought Michael Penix. I lumped him and Bo Nix together just by the odds. The two are right neck and neck. Okay. I'll, so I'll pose to you. You have one bet, Penix or Nix? Penix. I agree. It's, it's, okay. it's Penix. I mean, like, I, I like do you the think he has? Do you think he has the, I, cause I could see a case here where I mean, you look, he was second in the country in passing yards. 31 to eight touchdown interception ratio team won 10 games last year brings back to a thousand yards receipt receivers. Yeah. I, I see the case for Penix. It's Ken Washington and it's ironic, right? I'm going to talk about the defense now yeah. because even though it's, it's a Heisman trophy award, can Washington's defense take enough of a step forward that this team is maybe an 11 win regular season team. And it, it has the, the games under their belt that backs off Penix being a Heisman Trophy candidate and not, for lack of a better terms, like a, a stat, 
you know, a stat for basically. Well, what's going to, I mean, what's going to kill him too, is that um, when he goes to play Caleb Williams, when he goes to play Bo Nix, you know, maybe even when he goes to play Cam Rising, they're all going to put up huge numbers because it's Washington's past defense that was just garbage last year, mm -hmm. right? Like, so, I mean, he's going to put up big, big numbers in those games, right? But, I mean, you're, you're correct. I mean, Washington's defense was pretty much as bad as USC's defense was last season. I mean, they were horrible. Um, maybe not quite as bad as USC's defense, but still, like, really, really Worst bad power five defense. Yeah, yeah, that, that <laughs> did help TUSC a bit. But, like, what, I mean, to really what, I mean, what killed Washington was they were really bad against the pass. I mean, um, and I think this year, too i mean they're gonna like they're not missing many teams that can really throw the ball around like you're gonna have they're gonna have to have and th that's where like washington could go out i mean and this is somewhat true of usc too the defenses were so bad and if they don't make really big improvement i mean they could drop a dumb game like washington did last year with asu you know like if the offense isn't clicking that defense is giving up points every game no matter what right like they could drop a dumb game to arizona a team that can throw the ball around and it's got a lousy defense right like um that's the kind of like that that could hurt that like it, it's it's it is harder to see even as you talk about like caleb williams should be he should put a, he should put up massive numbers this year but i don't know that usc like it's going to be harder for these teams to get to in the pac-12 given the schedules to get to 10 wins, you know, 11 wins, and they're going to need to, I think, to be in the conversation with some of the other teams out there who are, I mean, who are going to roll through their schedules, I think for the most part, but I mean, the Pac-12 should be fun this season. There's a ton of parody and a lot of the games are late. Like USC yeah. schedule is all late. I mean, all late in the season. Yeah. Um, much to the, much to the chagrin of my girlfriend, she's not going to like the uh, Pac-12 after dark on the East coast, but uh, <laughs> I will, I will say it's funny you mentioned like can they avoid the Arizona State game in my notes can Washington's defense avoid allowing 45 points to Arizona State to screw over Penix I mean yeah. you that game though that kills your momentum it, you see it every season you know Washington let's just say I'm I'm only just throwing a week five in Arizona right maybe so let's say first four games Washington rolls through they score 45 points in every single one of them they're going to be big favorites in all of them. Boise yeah. State, Tulsa, at Michigan State, Cal. Yep. If that defense isn't on point in week five, I mean, Penix could be seven to one to win the Heisman, the second choice behind Caleb Williams for all we know. They lose that game at Arizona. He's tumbling down the board. He's going to go yeah. to 20 to one or so because all the momentum stops. That's why you need to stay on point and keep kind of the, the truck rolling here to win the Heisman. It, there's almost a science to betting this award because – yeah. You need the numbers. You need the marquee wins. You need the team success. You know, if you don't have all three, you're running out of you're running out of time. It usually comes to the top at the end, where you get someone like Caleb Williams, who has the regular season success, has the big numbers, and has the gaudy stats to go with it, and the marquee wins like that USC win. Yeah, I mean, when it killed Penix last season, you, was, UCLA I mean, win. Got, sorry. Yeah, I mean, they got punched in the mouth at UCLA, right? I mean, UCLA just shocked them, and then they had that dumb dumb loss to asu um and they got to Penix in that game that was what happened. i mean Penix. Penix has was really good about getting the ball out like and not i mean that like, he had a low sack rate last season that helped um but in that asu game they actually found a way to get to him um and he's like a lot of quarterbacks he doesn't like getting hit a lot um especially him yeah yeah 
but I don't, I mean, like the Arizona game is like, that's a, like, that isn't, so there's in the Pac-12 um, and Washington fans will tell you this, there's like the myth of the desert dogs, like the, the Huskies go play, like drop an egg in the desert, whether they're playing at ASU or Arizona, um, about every other season or so. <laughs> and so okay. I would I, like that Arizona game is interesting because they're going to play a bunch of teams that they should roll early in the season to your point like the schedule is very favorable to start out they've got a cushion to get into that arizona game is the game like arizona look delora is a roller coaster of a quarterback i mean he is he is very good and he is very bad all in the same game but arizona's offensive line is going to be better arizona has sneakily probably behind usc and washington the best wide receiving core in the pac 12 with mcmillan Jacob Cowing, um, they got the really good transfer in from Colorado that the, you know, recruiting services that ranked as a four star, I would think Lamonius Craig, um, they've got talent at wide receiver, they've got, you know, a pretty good set of tight ends, like the problem with Arizona last season was the defense was god awful. I mean, the offense was pretty good. They made big strides, big improvement, they kind of got up to being like a middle of the road power five offense. The reason they're like, could be Washington's kryptonite is like, they weren't that great at running the football. They were sort of hit and miss. They were really good at throwing the football. They were a top 10 passing offense in college mm-hmm. football last season in beta rank. That's where it's like, like, yeah, like Washington should be a lot better than Arizona, but the actual particular matchup might be really bad. Yeah. Um, Arizona, that, was, Arizona played tough against teams last year. They, yeah. They I mean, they the football they yeah. Um, they upset UCLA. I mean, they had yep. like Arizona had like a kind of a wonky up and downs and they might have another kind of wonky up and down season. I mean, it all like I think Arizona made one of the weirdest defensive coordinator hires in college football in the past couple seasons. Basically, they just hired a guy for recruiting. Now it's paid off. They landed like a five star defensive lineman from Tucson um, and the recruiting has picked up a little bit on the defensive side of the football. But like you also like sometimes run a bit of a risk there. <laughs> yeah, because the power um, fives tend to take their best players. I, yeah, I mean, well, you're I also, I mean, everybody's yeah, I mean, taking their everyone's taking their high level guys now it's yeah terrible. i mean well Before usc Jed went Pitt. shopping right like they got i mean the real names they got off was uh you know dorian singer and christian mm-hmm. roland wallace i but I, like that's a game to watch out for i think but like the rest of the schedule i mean like yeah pen i mean like the trouble pen like we talk about this a bit a little bit with caleb williams because usc's past defense was bad um the trouble for Penix is like everybody could also have a huge game in that game. Like he, like he might have the stage and then he gets upstage because Washington can't defend the pass. Right. And like, and it turns out that's Caleb Williams spotlight game or Mm. Bo Nix's spotlight game or like cam rising, like just completes like nine passes to tight ends for touchdowns. Right. Like that could happen against this Washington defense because they were really bad. I expect him to take a step forward, but like by how much is a really big question. Yeah, it's interesting. It's all about the defense for a guy to win the Heisman. Yeah. Really quick before uh, Bo Nix, I mentioned him early. I don't think there's as much to say. I think you probably saw the offensive ceiling of Oregon with Kenny Dillingham there with what they did last year. I mean, you know, top five, top 10 across the board in EPA per play, success rate, points per drive. Um, I... You know, they bring a new offense coordinator and will sign from UTSA. There's plenty of weapons there. I just don't know if Bo Nix has the is gonna put up the numbers like he did last year, where he was a fringy, not really serious Heisman contender in the you know, long shot conversation. Not sure Nix puts up those numbers 
yet again, I think Oregon's going to be very good. We could bring him up in the college football playoff discussion, but Rob, any, any thoughts on Bo Nix in the Heisman conversation, especially where he's priced in the 15 to one range. I mean, I like, I, I think Nix is great. Like what they did last year is they mostly kept the Dillingham kept it really simple for him. Mm -hmm. Um, and Stein's a, a good offensive coordinator, the guy they got from UTSA. Um, it's just hard to like, look, I mean, where I would say like with Caleb Williams or Michael Penix in the back 12, I'd be like, yeah, like same offensive coordinator, same quarterback. Like they're probably going to cook. Right. Like I do think Oregon has a really good receiving core too. I put them with Arizona um, as having like right behind USC and Washington. And I think they're going to throw the ball pretty effectively, but I just, I don't, it, it is hard to see him putting up the same kind of numbers and Oregon's defense was better than Washington's and USC's, but it was still wasn't great. And I, I mean, talk about like Tosh, I mean, Tosh LePoy is their DC. He lost the job as defensive coordinator at Alabama. Like Nick Saban took the keys to the car away from him mid season. Cause like the guy's like a nuclear weapon in recruiting, but he's not a great DC. Um, Lanning brought him in because like he is a nuclear weapon in recruiting. Why not give him a shot to call plays if that'll get him on your staff? I'm interested to see what happens with this defense because like Oregon's defense last season, I would say even more than USC or Washington was worse than the sum of its parts. Right. Like, I mean, you could talk about like Washington's had some holes on defense. USC certainly had like the Island of misfit toys with transfers and everything last season. Oregon had some guys on 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 the roster that they should have had should have been developing and they just they did not play well last year. So I'm I, I get like it's the same it's a bit of the same problem. I don't think he's going to put up the same kind of numbers that uh, that Penix will or Williams will. Um, and again, like it's hard to see anybody getting through this Pac-12 schedule without one or two losses. You know, like yeah, and and like even if you even if you win and you're the 10 and one team, you know, 11 and one team going into that conference championship game against somebody you already had to play, you know, yeah. and maybe you beat them the first time you got to beat them again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's hard. You know? Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, we're going to get to a little bit uh, more PAC 12 talk when we get to national championship picture. One other person I want to throw up before we get to that. And I have another one I'm going to tease and I'll kind of bring it full circle later on, but the other guy I want to mention, Drew Aller. I think Penn State, you mentioned it a little bit before, Rob. I think Penn State's going to be really good. I think it's likely they win 10 games and they're very competitive. I think yep. Aller really raises the ceiling of this offense much more than Sean Clifford could. But again, with Singleton and Allen in the backfield, it's a J.J. McCarthy-like issue for me where I don't know if he's going to put up the numbers to really contend for this award. I think he's yeah. going to be really good. I think he has a high ceiling and like maybe he's a future pro and all that, but... I just, again, we're talking just this season. We're talking Heisman Trophy. I struggle to see Aller uh, winning, especially at this price, at like 25 to one. I just think that's a little too short for him. I, if you got him earlier and, you know, you have him at longer price, that's great. I just think at this number, again, similar to JJ McCarthy, I just think the price is a little too rich now uh, with Penn State, who I think is going to be very good. And we're going to talk about it in a few minutes. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I I like Penn State to be to like if Ohio State doesn't make the jump on offense where, you know, they could pull away, then Penn State should be right there with them, I think, this season. Um, because I think the offense is going to improve. But I mean, to your point, like there's two really good backs. I'm not sold that he's going to be great at the gate, you know, mm -hmm. um, and have it down. And I'm also not like I, uh, I mean, it's been a while. Like it's hard to look. 
Clifford could have been holding them back, whatever. Like it's been a while since I was like, Oh yeah, they got great wide receivers, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, and that I think is like, I think Penn state again, like the, the thing to keep an eye on with them is they've got early games against Illinois. who's probably gonna take a little bit of a step back with Ryan Walters moving on to be mm-hmm. the head coach at Purdue, but should be still a good defense. And then they go against Iowa, right? That's going to tell you early on what you've got in a lark. Cause like those are t- like Iowa's offense is going to be horrible. Penn state should have great field position. This is the era of modern college football where offenses went out. Like you've got to, even against a good defense like Iowa, you got to figure out a way to put up points, right? Like you can't go in and have a stub your toe game and be in the Heisman conversation. Well said. And we'll put a pin in Heisman. I'm sure it's going to come back up again and we'll wrap it up with best bets. But let's talk college football playoff. And I'll frame it like this, Rob. I wrote down 13 teams that I could see making the college football playoff, not necessarily okay. winning. I don't, I found one that I think qualifies like a TCU. It's not really, it's kind of a hat. It's kind of a cop out, but I don't know if I see the real long shot this year, just based on how the conferences break down, but I'm going to go by conference. These are the 13 teams that I think, I think can make it. I think Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Texas, Oklahoma, Oregon, Washington, Clemson, and Florida State. I think those 13 teams can make it. I saw your eyes kind of peek up when I said a few teams. A&M, but, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's the real sell. That's my That was my TCU-esque uh, okay. team. And I mean, Petrino's a heck of an offensive there. mind. I mean, I Petrino is there if you want. Yeah, yeah, start there, yeah. So this goes into, I think the price has gone a little too far with Wegman, but I think if, like, you want a long-shot Heisman candidate, like, you got to buy into, like, the whole thing. You got to buy into A&M, realizing their ceiling, the, the Jimbo hatred, like, hate in the public is kind of overstated, and that this team that has been recruiting at a top-10 level since 2019 – has the pieces on on hand to contend with the likes of Alabama, LSU, and you know even give Georgia a run for their money. The talent has been there, and it's in College Station. It's just a matter of can they capture it. Petrino, we know, is a great offensive mind. Wegman, when he played last year, it, it wasn't amazing. Look at who was around him, which I'm going to get to in a second, but 8-0 to zero touchdown-interception ratio. You know, Went toe-to-toe with a ranked Ole Miss team. They lost, yeah. but he played really well in the game. And look at who's in. I mean, first of all, six different starting groups of offensive linemen last year. They yeah. lost more than 100 games combined amongst 29 players that were set as starters. So this team was ravaged by injuries. That doesn't even include the suspensions that Jimbo laid out. Yeah. So, again, if they come in with a clean slate and they capture their upside, I believe that AM has the, the strength of schedule for sure. Can they beat Alabama while they're down? Can they get ahead of them? Can they maybe shock LSU in the season finale? Which, again, this is a good LSU team, but again, we're counting. We said before, like Jaden Daniels, maybe it captures, maybe you know, we yeah. we weren't necessarily all in on LSU. We said that we could see the path, and I do too. I think LSU is going to be really good this year. But again, there's a ceiling with A and M that I don't think is being realized. And again. They can crash and burn, and this looks really dumb on my part, but there's a high ceiling with this team. There's also a really low floor. 
So I think Wegman, I think the price is a little too short now at like 40 to 1, 50 to 1. I think it's a longer shot. But to me, AM, with all that they lost last year, and by the way, they still put together a decent defense. It's to me if the offense yeah. can be unlocked with Petrino. Yeah. Smith missed eight games last season. Evan Stewart's back. Moose Muhammad. That's a sick wide receiver group. Running backs, five stars everywhere. I yeah, think that yeah. this AM offense has a ceiling that could compete with the likes in the SEC. Look, I mean, I like, I mean, the DJ Durkin, I think, is a little bit of a limiter as the defensive coordinator. Um, he's put up, he's never put up a really great defense. Um, you know, his best was probably when he was at Michigan, and I think he got like a close to the top 10. Um, but look, Bobby Petrino, if the only question I have coming in is whether this offense is going to work is like if he and Jimbo can actually like share the steering wheel, because mm -hmm. if Petrino's got the steering wheel and for some reason, Jimbo just can't come out and say that he does. <laughs> I have no, no idea. I mean, it's gotta be pure ego. Um, if he's got the steering wheel, like Petrino, Petrino's a really good play caller. He's a really good schemer. I mean, like those offenses he had at Louisville were not built on like the most talented people that ever existed, right? Like, um, I think they're going to put up, I think they are going to put up points and I think they are an interesting team because they are extremely talented. It is the kind of thing where like, oh, you just drop in a good coach and good things happen, right? Um, <clears throat> I think that could work. What I worry about, I mean, so there's two worries I have with AM. One is like, is Jimbo going to let Petrino cook? Mm -hmm. The other one I have is like, is the team cohesive enough? I mean, because it, it it feels like they've hit the point where it's like where, you, where people always talk about like Texas is like everybody's like basically like pulling the rope in their own direction, you know, and you got all these mm -hmm. you know, like big name boosters running around, like just like doing whatever. That's got to be AM. I mean, does anybody have more NIL money and like boosters involved than AM? You know, like that, like that's, I mean, look, you can talk me. I mean, like I said, you can easily talk me into this offense absolutely working. You know, I think the defense will be good enough if the offense really gets going. And I think they could, because um, this will be the most talented. This is probably the most talented offensive roster Petrino's ever coached that's in college, insane. right? Like, hands down um he could put up some huge numbers it, i mean I, what i don't like what i don't like about AM is the ifs like i don't right like um so so i'm not necessarily saying i bet this this was again this was the list of teams i would not be surprised if they made oh, the college yeah. playoff yeah especially with the way alabama is i want to tie this into the sec because i think we could agree georgia is like really, really, really likely to make the college football playoff. I don't think there's much to say there. The schedule is really easy. The team is probably going to drop no more than one game. They're probably going to win the SEC championship, and they'll probably make the college football playoff. Any? Do we need to go much further? No. I mean, the one thing to keep an eye on is that so George is going to fall back a little bit offensively from where they were last season. Like, just you know, Bobo is just not the same guy that Monken is as a, as a play caller. Um, the one thing to watch out for is Tennessee because okay. that offense is going to put up. Numbers. I mean, it is probably so the you're, most you're a Milton believer. Doesn't matter. I mean, Milton, whomever, man, Milton might lose the job again. Who like somebody yeah. is going to come in and put up big numbers in that offense, right? Like if you are, if, if it's misfiring, Hypel's going to pull you and put somebody else in. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that if you, the defense has been sneaking up, right? Like they were really bad two years ago. And they made it up into the top 30. 
they're prime for another jump. I like their defensive coordinator. That's like Georgia's going to come, like Georgia and Alabama are likely coming back to the pack a little bit. And that opens the door, right, for uh, for teams potentially. Like, and I like, I don't think that there's, but I think that there's like what we talked about with like Kentucky's an interesting team in the SECs. I don't think they win it. They could absolutely play spoiler on somebody's season. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and, and I don't think, I mean, I think Alabama is ludicrously priced. Like I, I, like I watched Tommy Reese call offenses at Notre Dame. Like I, who are we, who are we kidding with this Alabama having the second best national championship odds? You have them in your predicted beta rank. And I'm not saying you're necessarily like exactly your numbers, but you have them eighth, which I mean, that has right. to be one of the lowest in recent memory under, you know, heading into a season that you have them eighth. Yeah. I mean, look, like, I mean, I think a a lot of Alabama fans, I mean, like, I I think they were pretty fed up with, um, you know, with uh, Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator. Um, And I definitely think that they, you know, like, I think they weren't keen on Golding as DC. He did a good job. I mean, they were at number five defensively last season. They were number two in 21 and they had a really, really good defense. Just Georgia had an otherworldly defense Mm -hmm. that season. Um, you know, but like, I like the, and I like the Kevin Sealer. They just, they are, and look, Nick Saban, I think does, is a tremendous developer of talent, but they are at 124 in returning production. I mean, they are right around 40% coming back across the board. There's just not a lot of experience on this Alabama team. Um, and then you've got two new coordinators, one of whom I don't think is very good. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Like, I think that's going to put a cap on where this Alabama, even as I think the defense is likely a top five defense again, I think that this offense might struggle to be a top 10 offense. And that is a problem because mm-hmm. not that it's not that like, I think LSU is going to put up ungodly offensive numbers. I think LSU is probably going to sit in that seven or eight or nine range offensively. That's fine. That might be enough with a really good defense to take down Alabama again. Right? Like I, I, Higher I, floor. I yeah, yeah, I, I like LSU's floor a bit more than I like Bama's floor this season. Like, yeah, Alabama's got more. I mean, it's not like LSU is like star for talent. Alabama has more talent, right? Like Nick Saban, like doubled down on recruiting again. Like, yep. but I don't. I, I mean, I, I think the SC. Look, I, I just, I think that the coordinator hires, the OC hires at Georgia and Bama open the door a crack more. It's not as the distance between them. Like they're still going to be likely you're like the, the, you know, at the top or near the top. I think LSU is going to be ahead of Alabama and the SEC West, but like Georgia's going to be closer to Tennessee this season. They might not be, Tennessee might not be better than them. They're, they're going to be closer. If Tennessee's offense puts up in like in beta rank, a number above two again, and Georgia doesn't, Oh buddy, George is going to have to make that up on the defensive side of the football, right? If Tennessee's defense gets into the top 10, that's a, Ooh, that's going to be really close between those teams, right? Like Georgia played with their food. a little. I mean, like Georgia is better than them last year. They sort of played with their food a little bit in the second half in that game against Tennessee. Yeah. I, I think this season, like Tennessee's maybe going to be able to legit legitimately hang with them. Cause like Georgia's offense, isn't going to be as good. Tennessee's defense should be better. That's where it's like, yeah, Georgia should be the favorite. They're super talented. Defense should be excellent. Again, the, the trouble I think with Georgia is like, I don't see them as prohibitive, right? As a prohibitive favorite. I don't see, 
you know, Alabama as the favorite in the SEC. I, I mean, I would give that to LSU. Um, I agree with that. I, I think, or maybe not necessarily LSU be the favorite, but like Alabama is still like an odds on favorite to win the SEC West. I disagree. I, I, I think it's much more open than that. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, I mean, you could like at the, at, at, I mean, I would have LSU as slightly ahead, but like you can, you can talk me into everything where like, oh yeah, they're co-favorites. You're not going to talk me into Alabama being some like prohibitive favorite. That's crazy. Mm. Right. Like, um, and it, like to your point with AM, I you know who went, went out and hired Pete Golding was Old Miss. Old Miss's defense is likely to get better, right? Than they've been. Um, I, I mean, it's like I can't believe Hugh Freeze is at Auburn. That's the most Auburn thing in the history. But like, I'm not saying that. I mean, I just think that like the SEC, not only were Georgia and Alabama really good, but the SEC was kind of like running face first into walls, some of the teams these past couple seasons, too. Um, and I and I do think that like it is. It, it, you can tell like, it to your point about AM, you could talk yourself into like an LSU or an AM yeah. getting through the door. You, I can like, I think there's a legit case that this could be the Tennessee year to get past Georgia. Um, right. It just like, with I don't know if I can trust Milton that much. I, Man, I, I, like, he goes there, but we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll yeah. see for sure. I it, think- is, like, it is the most stupid that, that offense is just like, it's it's designed to like just free up guy like have guys running free like it is, yeah. it is absurd it's crazy At, listen georgia did georgia did shut it down uh but we'll see the defense yeah. is gonna take a step back let's talk yeah. big 10 though because to me and i could see it happening now i could see the uh you know the the sports centers going crazy over this one but ohio state michigan penn state i could see all three making the college football playoff all three play each other and all three are likely going to win every other game on their schedule. So to me, I could definitely see a world where Ohio State beats Penn State at home, Penn State beats Michigan at home, and Michigan beats Ohio State at home, setting up a three-way tie where yeah. all teams are 11-1 and one in the regular season because I think the gap in the Big Ten is that much. So yeah. that brings – I'm just going to note, I looked it up today. If all three, because it's a tiebreaker – they all three are going to have the same conference record, all that. So it would actually go to, if I'm not mistaken, it would go down to the third, or no, it's going to go down to the fourth tiebreaker, which would be the record of the three teams or more will be compared based on winning percentage against all conference, all common conference opponents, not division. This is a cross division now. Okay. And the, the team that gets screwed here would be Penn State because Penn State has Northwestern on their schedule, who is oh, likely yeah. to be terrible. And then all three teams play Indiana and Rutgers. Okay. So that likely knocks out Penn State. And then um, I think it would either reset and then go through the same process again. And it would go all the way down to the record. You really dug into this. <laughs> yeah. There's seven only, but it would then go down to the seventh, which would be chosen by a random draw because they have the same exact conference schedule. If I'm not okay. mistaken, I didn't double check okay. that, but it would be a random draw between Ohio state and Michigan, which would be hysterical for a million reasons. I'm not, I probably should have proofread this before I did it on the podcast, but I'm pretty sure it would go down to the seventh draw between, I mean, I have the schedule up right here. I'm going to, I'll let you go with Ohio state and Michigan. Do you, or in Penn state, how do you figure these three as college football playoff candidates? Did I kind of lay it out as, it would be whoever wins the Big Ten championship with the one loss. Like, do you see 
a seismic difference between these three teams? I mean, I don't. I mean, I think like we talked about, like Michigan probably has the highest floor of all three. Um, Ohio State has far and away the highest ceiling. You know, like I, I, their problem for for most of Day's tenure since 2019 is has been defense. And I don't think Knowles was his hire. I think Knowles was sort of the at, athletic department administration booster hire. Um, or not Knowles, Combs. <laughs> Kerry Combs. Mm. Kerry Combs was a bad hire. Um, but Knowles has been good. And I think they make the leap from like the top 20 defense to like the top 10 defense this coming season. And all of a sudden, Ohio State's biggest weakness is fixed. The question is, is like how how much can their offense improve? Because it hasn't been like they were in 2019. If they do that, Ohio State's going undefeated. Like unless they pull a dumb and like turn the ball over five times against Purdue or something like that, like they're going to go through undefeated. Um, but I, I mean, like if you were going to put it like Ohio State probably like right now versus Michigan, like Michigan's got that higher floor. If Ohio State doesn't reach their offensive potential, like it's a slug match between them and Michigan, right? Like the defense improves, they're likely able to slow down the Wolverines, but you know, they're going to be in trouble. I think, you know, potentially like, and they could drop a game to, I mean, they Penn state seems to have their number, that defense um, in those games, you could see Penn state really slowing them down. I think uh, as well, Penn state's the one that I think like, I, I mean, I, they're probably behind the other two, but they're, I think they're going to be good enough this season that like, if Ohio state were to have a bad drive, or turn the ball over Penn state could win same goes yeah. for Michigan, right? Like in, in any of those three games, like if anybody finishes minus one on turnovers, they're probably losing the game. Um, and I, and you're right. I mean, like they all have a shot. I mean, the big 10 winner of any of those three is likely off to the playoff. I mean, yeah. you could punch the ticket. Um, you know, potentially- I think it's worth noting though. I, I may have cut you off with what you were going to say. It's possible that if all these teams go 11 and one, the other one gets in as the fourth team at like it through the Alabama, you know, Alabama and Georgia have done that where uh, the, team, yeah. the, the non, the team that basically it's bailed out by not playing in their conference championship game gets in as the one loss at large. I haven't ruled that right. out. I also just double checked and I'm kind of stupid. It seems that if they go through the three teams and screw up Penn state, they then reset the tiebreaker and it would just be a one V one. Whoever, whoever just won, which I guess like, is pretty self-explanatory, but would be still crazy. <laughs> it would still be a wild uh, turn of events. But I could also see, though, the Big Ten potentially being the most likely two-bid conference this year, similar to last year. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I don't think the SEC is likely to put together two teams in. Um, again, I think the I think the SEC West – and somewhat the East, like, are, are going to be good enough that, like, you could see somebody taking a, a loss here or there. Or or maybe if somebody like Georgia really puts it together again on defense and just rolls through. Um, but the Big Ten, I think you're right. Like, they're, you know, they're, they have a really good shot to put together some gaudy records between those three teams um, and go ahead and and get two into the playoff if you were going to send two. That, that makes sense, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, there's nobody – I mean, there's nobody else to really – talk to in there because your other potential like i mean wisconsin sort of like your mm -mm. you know team number four but it's not their year no. you know um 
and I can't think of anybody else that's like likely to put it together enough. I mean, Maryland's sort of fun and interesting, but I don't like Gaddis no, as an offensive coordinator at all. No, I mean, fun and interesting to like be your, like screw oh. somebody over. Like mm. you, you go out there and you have a loss, <laughs> you know, like I think Maryland's good enough that if like Penn state turned the ball over three times, like they'd lose that game. Right. Yeah. Um, I, and I that's where that. Maryland has that Maryland has the the ceiling with Talia to at least give them a run. I don't know if they'd win, but that's kind of been the knock on Maryland uh, for, in the entire Locksley era is that they can't beat you know the 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 big three of the Big Ten where it's Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio, or Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like they're they're about the only spoiler running around. I mean, maybe Iowa you could talk yourself into too because the D, like Phil Parker is such a good defensive coordinator. The offense is just putrid though for the the Hawkeyes, um, and that's it. I mean, so you're right. I mean, I think it just comes down to those matchups. And then the key though is like, are they all? I mean, this is like this is true. Like you got to win on your off nights. Like if you're going to be a national championship playoff team, like you got to win on your off nights. You got to win on the game, the nights where you don't have it. You turn the ball over a couple times. You can't it's go. Gonna happen. It happens yeah, yeah, every you're, year. Yeah. You're going to have those games. That's like now some teams are, are lucky and get through those games. You could argue TCU definitely had some uh, charmed life a little bit last season. Um, but you know, like the, you're, you've got to be able to go out and, 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 you know, like Ohio State a couple of years ago, I mean, like I referenced, like they had a five turnover game that they lost in Iowa. They, had, I think, the next year they went out a five turnover game they lost at Purdue. Like, you, you you do dumb dumb stuff like that happens to you, like you will lose. Um, because that's where like somebody could take themselves out of contention because you are probably you probably might come away with one loss in that sort of like triumvirate, you know, like between mm. you know Penn State and Iowa, Ohio State and, and uh, Michigan. Big 12. I mentioned Oklahoma in this one. I don't think that there's as much to say. Purely schedule. Easiest one in the Big 12. I could see them. Maybe they knock off Texas and Red River, and then it's one game in the Big 12 championship to win it. I don't think that's going to happen. But if they ran the table, I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world. I'm not betting on it, but that was a team I could see conceivably them getting to the Big 12 championship solely based on the schedule. The one that is really worth talking about, though, is Texas. Yep. We spoke about them before with Quinn Ewers. Does he have the ceiling to lift this team to a championship, noting they haven't won a Big 12 title since 2009? So this has been years now of Texas falling on their faces. Listen, I personally, I see people flocking to them to win the Big 12, Quinn on the Heisman. I'm not fading them necessarily. I'm just not one of these people lining up to back Texas. I still... The schedule isn't like so like neat and easy. It's not one that they're going to have a walk in the park. Not to, first of all, they play Alabama in week two on the road and they're a touchdown underdog. So you lose that one. You're already saying, all right, I ha- Texas needs to run the table to make the college football playoff. That includes road trip to Baylor, neutral site o- Oklahoma, at TCU, at home for Kansas State, and at TCU in back to back weeks home Texas Tech in the regular season finale, and then a Big 12 championship game. Is Texas going to be favored in all those games? Yes, probably. But are they going to win every single one of them? This was a team, uh, there were a lot of excuses and you know advanced metrics last year made it like, oh, Texas, like with Ewers hurt and everything, like they're still a top five power rated team despite having four losses. They still lost all these games. And they, yeah, yeah. they didn't just lose, they blew games. 
Oh, yeah. TCU, Oklahoma State. Are we just going to – I know they have a lot of talent in the Big 12, maybe down a little bit, a little questionable. But are we just going to trust that this team is going to – especially if they lose to Alabama, are we going to trust that they could just run the table in the Big 12 and still make the college football playoff? I mean, I think here's the thing is Texas last season reminds me of 2015 Washington in that in 2015 Washington, like 2016, like Washington makes the playoff run, right? 2015 Washington went eight and four and lost some dumb games. <laughs> like, it happens. Yeah, but they were a young team kind of figuring it out. And Texas last season was a young team, I think, kind of figuring it out. Okay. Um, and like, I mean, the defense was solid last season. They finished number six overall. The offense was number 14, and they stunk on offense, uh, or throwing the football in particular. But Steve Sarkeesian is probably the best offensive mind in college football. He has a mountain of talent on this team. And I also think that Quinn Ewers, if he plays as bad as he did down the back half last year, is not going to remain the quarterback. And they have guys behind him that they really like. I mean, I'm not, not just Arch Manning. I'm forgetting the backup's name. The guy, I mean, he looks, he looks like a, uh, he looks like a bodybuilding commercial. The guy's in like just shredded. <laughs> like, you're just, you look at him and you're like, that's a quarterback. Oh my God. Like yeah. I, uh, Murphy, Malik Murphy. Yeah. Malik Murphy, yeah. like uh, linebackers is like, I just can't imagine being a linebacker and like lining up and be like, I gotta hit that guy. You're out of your mind. Um, I mean, I, I think that you were like, look, if you like, I think even if yours doesn't take a big step forward, I think the big 12 is likely a step behind where the Longhorns are. Right. Like, I think he, like what killed them last year was he was so bad. You don't have to talk yourself into Quinn Ewers Heisman candidate for Texas mm. to be better. Right. Like Quinn Ewers big 12 champion is like Texas, like going from 14 offense to like six, you couple that with the defense with the, with, Kwiatkowski, who is the architect of those Washington defenses under Chris Peterson that were so good. And Gary Patterson is like your consultant. I mean, like, it's like that joke I made about, you know, having Lincoln Riley and like Cliff Kingsbury on staff. Like that's a stupid amount of defensive know-how sitting around game planning for you. Right. I like this Texas team a lot in the big 12 because the big 12, to your point after Texas is thin right mm -hmm. like tcu is likely going to take a little bit of a step back i mean there's some fun teams like kansas might be a fun team no um, they're not being texas right i mean uh, and you know like baylor i mean you just, just like who's i mean la i mean the, the team to maybe watch out like texas tech like Tim DeRoder did a heck of a job with that defense last year they might take a step forward offensively texas tech also lost some dumb dumb games last year too. they also won some dumb games yeah, <laughs> they, they played they were... in a ton of dumb they played in a ton of dumb games but i think texas feels like that team that like last year was kind of figuring out how to win and maybe didn't always figure it out and i think that this year that they do um i think That's that well this said. year yeah like I, I think last year like they were they were they were really good in advanced stats like 90 percent of the time they did really good things 10 percent of the times they did 10% of the time they did inexplicably stupid things yeah. and cost themselves games. Right. Like, um, but unlike that, um, 
who the 20 the 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 unlucky team in 21 was nebraska like nebraska was like sneaky good and just kept losing losing games mm-hmm. in 21 texas was that last season um but unlike nebraska like where the coaching staff made weird choices and scott frost like produced a worse team the next season um texas has the same staff coming back they have continuity like you should have guys bought in everybody should be on board with what sark is doing everybody eventually like that comes out of the Saban school like reform school for coaches and I like, and I do want to say, cause I do think like, you'll hear people yakety yak, like particularly like Washington fans about Sark. Um, like the man quit drinking, right? Like he's, he, this is a very different Steve Sarkeesian, very focused, not the same guy who was coaching Washington, not the same guy who was coaching USC. Um, I just, I, 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 I like, look, Texas has, Texas has a great path ahead of them to make a run to the college football playoff. I mean, ever like you can, I have tried to talk my, I've tried to be like, talk myself out of saying Texas is back. Right. But there's just, yeah. there's, do you have no alternative, right? Like, you know, the defense is going to be good with what they have both on the field and in the box column plays, you know, you've got one of the best offensive minds in college football. The like literally the only question we have about Texas is Quinn Ewers. That's it. And all that we're asking of Quinn Ewers is not be, not be terrible, right? Yeah. Like a former five-star quarterback, right? I I think I laid out the bear case, right? Like I, I yeah. laid out why they can't, assuming if they lose to Alabama, which I'm not saying they will. I just think there's concerns. Oh, yeah. I'm not as I'm not as bought in. Can I see? I listen, they're on the list. I definitely could see it happening. I'm just not saying I'm running to bet that. Let's talk Pac-12. We we spoke for a while about Washington, Oregon, and their triumphs and failures. And why Camelback, why I think they can make the college football playoff, in my opinion, is that I think that there is a room for each defense to take a jump, both outside the top 100 in EPA per play. I think you could see both defenses with the talent on hand, with the returning production, take at least a step forward. Yeah, I will say I did leave USC off the list. I do not see a jump coming for USC, in my opinion. I think that the way that their schedule closes, I've noted their schedule, but they play nine games to close the regular season. They also play a stretch that includes at Notre Dame, Utah, at Cal, Washington, at Oregon, and UCLA. I simply think for this defense that was bottom five in EPA per play, I don't know if a jump is going to save them with that kind of cross-country travel, with those sandwich road games back and forth, too many high-level games. I just don't think, again, USC might actually be better this year than last year, but there's got to be some turnover regression. This was a team that was plus 21 in turnover margin last year. Five better than the next most lucky team in Duke. I think that there has to be some sort of reckoning for this team. And even if the team may be better, I don't know if that's going to bear fruit in the wins and loss column. So I actually would be shocked if USC made the college football playoff. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't know if Oregon and Washington are going to make it because like we noted how difficult it is in the Pac-12 and the small difference between all the high-level teams. Right. But I just think the ceiling, Oregon and Washington, I could see both teams being that 11-1 and team and getting into it. Just the way the schedule breaks. Oregon, while they do go at Washington, they get a bye before. They have to somehow win at Utah. There's some question about Cam Rising and his availability. I think he's going to be ready by you know week four or I so, do- but – I mean, it was like, it was like a bunch of BYU fans, like saying like Cam, like, I mean, they started a rumor about Cam Rising's injury. And so like Cam Rising himself had to like come out on Twitter yeah. and be like, 
I don't know where this is coming from. Like I'm on track. I don't know if he'll be ready week one, but right. I imagine by then he'll be ready. But it maybe things go sideways for Utah. I don't know if I believe that, but I could see it. The case for Washington, they play at USC. That game's going to come down to whoever has the ball last. Yeah. They play at Oregon State, who is a tough place to play, but little overrated in my opinion. And then they host Oregon and Utah. I could see the path there. I don't know if it's necessarily going to happen, but to me, Oregon and Washington, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world to make the college football playoff. I mean, what's interesting is like, they all have to play each other, but then they each also have a game on their schedule against somebody you consider a dark horse. Like Oregon State should take a step forward offensively. The defense, of course, made terrific strides, although they lose most of the back half of that defense. Um, But UCLA with the new defensive coordinator, they hired somebody off the Ravens staff. I really mm-hmm. like that hire. Um, Lynn is the new defensive coordinator there. And Chip Kelly, like, just pre- like, he doesn't enjoy recruiting. He just likes to coach ball and he's going to, he'll, he's going to put something together. That's going to be good offensively. Um, I think you can count on them to be able to run the ball really well. Like insert running back is going to have a big year at UCLA. Um, and the quarterback, you know, is, probably not i mean like even last year the quarterback didn't have to carry him you know um there that's where it's like everybody's everybody's got a bunch of tough games on the schedule i don't know if i trust anybody's like so if you're going to talk me into somebody to trust it's utah because they're balanced to make the playoff because they're balanced Utah doesn't, Utah's like Utah's offense isn't as good as USC's offense. It's not as, but it's still a very good offense. Like Andy Ludwig is a really good OC. Cam Rising fits, you know, system. They they do a lot of great stuff. They had horrible injuries last year. Like they're, I think they're running out like their third string tight end at the, towards the end of the year. And they still were completing passes to him. I think the, what like Oregon's got to make a big step forward on defense. Washington has to make a really big step forward on defense. Utah's defense is still pretty good, right? And they will likely again be pretty good this season. Now they struggled a little bit defending the pass last year. Um, that's of course like where you don't want to find yourself in the Pac-12 <laughs> struggling to defend the pass. Um, but Utah doesn't have the obvious weakness that the other teams do. And that's where it's like Utah doesn't have the top end talent. They don't have the like they don't have the high powered offense. Um, but like they're they are, of course, as everyone in the Pac-12 found out, like a really tough out. Um, and they play, I mean, I, I think Whittingham does a really good job, you know, with the coach like coaching and like he's got a good defensive coordinator. That's where it's like to your point about USC, like. Yeah, they might be a lot better. Like Utah and Utah's this this schedule for Utah is going to get tougher. Or, you know, like Washington is rolling on to the schedule this season. Um, I just as much as I like, it's it's much more like I mean, and, and people aren't talking about rising because I mean, like there are so many other quarterbacks that put up huge numbers, but rising is an absolute like like warrior gamer. Like he's going to take all the hits, take all the shots. If he's healthy, adds anything in, in the running game, like he, he's incredibly dangerous. Like, I mean, I remember that Pac-12 championship game two years ago where they just like, he torched Oregon. Listen, um, I, I've had Utah to win the Pac-12 the last two years. No one knows Utah. Like I know Utah. <laughs> I love this team. I think at least how I hope to play Utah this season is I don't know if rising is going to go in week one. And I definitely don't know. I mean, even if he goes in week two, going to Baylor after playing Florida is a tricky 
tricky little week one, week two stretch. I think the play that to do for Utah is hope that rising doesn't play in either week one or week two and they lose and the okay. odds shift against them, even though it makes no difference in the pac 12, but the scent gets thrown off of Utah and the market kind of overreacts to the results. Then rising gets announced in and they're saving him for week four at home against UCLA and hope you get a better price on them to win the pac 12. That's why I don't know if they're going to make the college football playoff with the concerns that uh, the injury concerns and rising because not to mention their backup uh, Rose brand. I think it's Brandon Rose. Sorry if I butchered his name, but the backup quarterback has like a lacerated kidney now. Okay. I, I, and Whittingham said today, that we're recording this on Tuesday, the 15th, that if it was right now, it'd be the third stringer, which listen, Florida might not be good. I went right. to Wisconsin. There's a Wisconsin helmet behind me. Graham Mertz sucks. <laughs> but like, if it's a third stringer against an SEC defense, I, maybe things go haywire. That's why I don't know if I like playoff for Utah, but like I, I owe it to my boys again to, you know, have some skin on them to win the Pac-12, if, even if it's a donation. I, But I'm hoping I could get maybe a better number. But I agree with you. Utah is the one that really mixes up the whole playoff conversation for the Pac-12 because they play defense. they hit harder they they actually wrap up and tackle that's what happens more than half these teams don't play in the pac-12 yeah i mean like there there's a lot of there's a lot of teams in the pac-12 that don't i mean last year it was basically oregon state and utah that played defense um so i mean i'm like i just i would keep an eye on but it's i'm not i I think it's a hard like i am i gotta say like i am surprised when people are going through the pac-12 or you know and like picking playoff contenders and they're like i'm picking this team out of the pac-12 and i'm like it's just it's good it's just hard to see anybody like it's hard to see anybody getting through the pac-12 with one loss like it's hard to see the pac-12 producing a one loss conference champion yeah that's fair wrapping up acc we talked about them early on especially clemson we both seem to be in agreement that this team is has the you know, runway to make the college football playoff. We also mentioned Florida State, that this is a team that's going to be underdog in two games. They lose those two. It's over for them already. So I don't know if there's as much to say. Uh, just another thing with Florida State, it's from my notes. I just want to keep in mind, so the way last season went, and it's why I think this team might be a little overrated heading into this season. I get the returning production. I get the talent there. but So the team started 4-0 last year. Yeah. And then they lose to Wake. They lose to NC State on the road where the backup comes in, and they lose at home to Clemson. So now they're four and three, but then they finish on a roll where they beat Georgia Tech, who fired their coach, beat Miami, who was dead last year, injury, it was a mess, beat Syracuse, who was injured by then, beat Louisiana, and then yeah. Florida, who was a disaster last year. Yeah, yeah. And they win their bowl game against a backup late in Oklahoma team. Right. So I wonder if the second half of the season pushed for Florida State was a little fortuitous in who they played and when they got them rather than the actual talent equaling their record last season. I think Florida State's going to be really good. I just don't, I still give a edge to Clemson given where Florida State ended and kind of the momentum that they're perceived to be having coming into the season. I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, I think Florida State's another team that you can sort of like talk about, like kind of figuring out how to win still, right? Like, I mean, like making mm. like making dumb mistakes as they figure it out, right? No, um, yeah, 
And I, but I think like, I think Clemson should be the favorite in the ACC, right? Like I, I think with Garrett Riley in place, like I think they are primed to like have units in the top 10 across the board. Um, I like the schedule. I think it's very favorable for them. I think Clemson should be your, like, you know, I, mean, I wouldn't put them a lot ahead of Florida state because I do think Florida state is primed to sort of like make a bit of a jump. Um, and they were good in advanced stats last season. I mean, it, like, yes, they did take it. They did feast on a bad schedule. Um, but the fact that they absolutely walloped those people down the stretch too, it's not just that they, like, it's not just if you win, it's how you win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they dominated those games that matters. I mean, I, 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 I like this Florida state, team I, i'm interested like i get like i talked about like i think the the key for them if they're going to get past clemson and get past lsu is like does norvell's offense have another gear we've i mean like he was oc at arizona state he was the head coach at memphis yep. we've, this is probably the most talent we've ever seen him with where can he take it you know like is the big question because like i think if they're going to get by clemson he's got to find another gear um because i think riley riley the younger you know, is, is, is a really good OC, like we talked about. And I think Clemson's offense is going to like get back to, to putting up some numbers. So there's the 13 teams I mentioned, any other teams that I left off that you could see making the case before we put in ink that who the top four will be. This is the end of this is the end, no matter what. I mean, I, like I said, like I would throw Utah in there. Okay. Um, and that, <laughs> I, mean, I think that's, that's it. That's I love I mean, Notre that's, Dame. I yeah, and you should. I mean, yeah, Jared Parker happening. is their offensive coordinator. Like, and it's a bummer because I really like Mike Marcus Freeman, and I think defensively they're going to take a step back to where they need to be this season. Um, if they would have got Andy Ludwig from Utah, that's all of a sudden like fun, interesting Notre Dame. Like, and they didn't. They whiffed mm-hmm. on getting that hire. They promoted from within, and I just. I just don't have a lot. I don't have a lot of positive to say about Notre Dame. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. Like I'm going to that Ohio state Notre Dame game. That'll be fun to go see Notre Dame stadium, but I don't expect that to be a close game. (laughs) That will be fun. All right. So top four college football playoff. How do you see it? If you had to pick right now, this isn't necessarily a betting advice or insight. Just if you had to pick a top four, how do you see the college football playoff this year? I'm going to take, I'm going to take Georgia. I'm going to take Ohio State. I'm going to take Clemson. And then I'm going to, oh God, I'm going to say it. I'm going to take Texas. It's like, it was, it's Texas, it's Texas or Tennessee. And I know people are going to be like, I really, so like, I, here's the, is like, and like I measure offenses and defenses, right? Like Tennessee is like, I mean, I think people just underestimate how, like in Bud Elliott will go on about this, about just how, how friendly that offense is to quarterbacks. Mm. Um, and I think people are caught up in like, Oh man, like is Joel Milton, like, is he going to be good? If he's not, Josh Heupel has shown he will sit you on the bench. <laughs> you know, like five star recruit sitting behind. Yeah. Um, and I think Ted, like, you know, like, I think the the problem for Tennessee hasn't been the offense. It's been the defense. And I think that they're closing in on putting together a really good defense. And that's where it's like, I, I mean, I think this is potential. Like, so I like Tennessee could be that team that sort of like would sneak in, even if Georgia got in, right. Like mm-hmm. they could be that, like, you know, other, like the Alabama did a couple of years ago. Right. Yeah. Um, 
Tennessee could do that kind of thing. Um, but I do think that like we talked about, like Texas just, I, I think they are, even if they don't reach their full potential, they should still be a step ahead of the rest of the big 12 and they're going to pile up wins and should win the conference. Yeah. So my four, again, I'm not super, I, I'm, I'm fairly confident. I will go Georgia, Michigan. So I think Michigan gets Ohio state at home in the, uh, in the game. Again, I think quarterback concerns might be an issue here. Clemson. So those three, I, I feel pretty confident. And then I was between Texas, LSU, and then Penn State or Ohio State. Just because I've kind of I've been on this team all preseason and I like them. I'll take Penn State. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I I like the upside of the team. I'm not certain Texas is gonna navigate their schedule to make the playoff, despite maybe they do win the Big 12 championship. I just think that there, there's a landmine there in the Big 12 that they get God and then you know, you lose to Alabama, seven and a half point underdogs, which is expected, but that kind of kills you for the playoff. And I think maybe you get Penn State in potentially one loss. Yeah. But don't play in the Big Ten championship. So I think it's it's far from locked in, but that's how I see the top four. Yeah. Yeah. I think that feels right. I mean, like the the college football, like picking the playoff is always a total. I mean, it's not like a total crapshoot. Like if you can get like two out of four, right? Like that's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> like, well, it helps with Georgia. It helps with Georgia. Right, like so when you have one where you're just like, like there's, all right, we'll take Georgia and I'll take, you know, like I'll take like me, it's one from the big 10. Like and I'll, I only have three to pick from, right? Like I just got to yeah. pick one there. And Texas does feel like they're going to do something stupid and like everybody's going to come back and it'll be like freezing cold takes, right? They're like, right there though. Like I mean, this is just, the year though, it's not, it doesn't seem as stupid, but you never, yeah. maybe Quinn yours just stinks. But so let's just wrap up your best bets for me. That, that'll be, this will be on the Google doc that's attached to the pod. I bet Cade club next 16 to one to win the Heisman. You can still get that at Caesars. And then how I attacked Clemson. And I didn't necessarily mention this. I know we talked really highly of Clemson. The way I attacked it though, is I actually took them. This is available at DraftKings still. Five to one to go undefeated in the regular season. I think this is the best way to play Clemson and kind of minimize some risk. Okay. Here's why. So they're plus 150-ish to win the ACC. So I know you're you have to roll together 12 or 11 or so games to get this undefeated ACC, but or undefeated regular season, I should say. But you also lose an extra game where you're probably going to play florida state where you're going to be a small favorite anyway so yeah. you're getting a much better price than going undefeated and then you also look they're about plus 300 350 to make the playoff but that's including again you're paying less of a price and they have to win another game against florida state and likely go undefeated so yeah. to me i think you're getting the best price on clemson on them running the table in the regular season which Again, I think is in the route. I think you're getting a decent price here. They're going to be favored in every game. You know, you beat Clemson, you beat Notre Dame at home. You do have some tricky road games against uh, NC State and Miami, but again, Clemson can be favored in those games. I like the ceiling. That's how I played Clemson this season. Rob, any other closing thoughts? We just went way deep on a handful of teams, a handful of players. Anything you think we somehow missed in these 90 minutes? No, no. I mean, I, so I would say I like as far as bets go, I like, you can still get Utah at Caesars. Um, 
I'm sorry. You can still get Utah at FanDuel at plus 550. I think that's a pretty decent bet versus like, no, no, to win the Pac-12. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we're aligned um, there. We we see the yeah, same. I mean, I think, I mean, I think, I think Utah is being undervalued versus USC and Oregon and Washington. Um, you can at Caesars, you can still get UCLA at plus 1400. Um, UCLA is a fun underdog <laughs> dark horse yeah. in there because like ucla's problem hasn't been offense uc and usc and ucla doesn't rely on their quarterback a ton ucla's problem has been defense they finally have what i think is a really good defensive coordinator and i mean they've had a really really bad defense now they the my one watch out on them is i don't think that they have a great secondary and i don't think getting a new defensive coordinator is going to completely fix that um but ucla is a really good team um and they could they could put it together. I think they're I think they're a little too far back for I think people have a little too much too much faith in in the top three teams in the Pac-12, which have the flashy quarterbacks. <laughs> and I think like mm. it's like it's like uh it's like like off-season betting is like a bunch of golden retrievers and you throw a ball in the room, right? And they're like, oh, ball, right? And like every and like they leave they leave the bone they were chewing on. And like I feel like Utah is a bit of the bone that people should have been chewing on a little bit. Um yeah. and I feel like UCLA, I I think people were putting too much emphasis on the quarterback departing. I I like what DTR turned into last season, but I think they can be good without DTR in there. Yeah, that's great. You can Follow him on Twitter at beta underscore rank underscore FB. It's Rob Bowerin, sharpcollegefootball.com. Crush it there, Rob. Appreciate you coming on, man. Have a great season. Hopefully we have you on again. Absolutely. Thanks.